The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome back to the Bootleg Football Podcast Combine Edition. We just went through four straight days of watching eight hours of combine drills per day. We have a lot to talk about. Uh, first, we're doing a, a two-part uh, kind of recap show. First one on offense, second one on defense. But before we get to all that, two most important questions of the day to my wonderful co-host EJ. First things first, what are you drinking? How are you feeling? I am drinking Jameson Black Barrel, my current favorite Irish going. Seemed like a fine choice for uh, some warm and happy combine results, some warm and happy Irish whiskey, and I am great. I'm a little bit tired. Uh, feels like four straight work days on top of a couple of regular work days, yes. but it's all good stuff. Um, I probably blew it out a little bit too much on Saturday. I OD'd a little bit on combine footage. Needed to kind of take a break on Sunday morning, went for a mountain bike ride and came back and watched the end of the drills. But uh, just so many great performances. It, look, it's one of the coolest events um, in all of draft prep. Um, people overreact to it, but you can learn a lot if you do it the right way. So super excited to talk about all the things we got to see, all the great performances, all the not so great performances. We'll talk about a few of those, too. Yeah, I, I think it's it's hard to, to kind of contain yourself from overreacting to the combine sometimes, but we just get so much new information. We get all these, uh, you know, different results and obviously watching the drills on the field. We finally get to actually compare some of these guys head to head that have never shared the field before. So, uh, it's a fun event. Uh, we just, we just have to try not to get, uh, too deep in the weeds with it, which I know as draft analysts, we tend to do, but, uh, yeah, it, it was a good four days. Uh, speaking of kind of overdoing on Saturday, I, myself, uh, went out and bought myself a nice new bottle of Lagavulin 16 because I knew that I was going to be drinking that for this long night that we're about to embark on with these recap episodes. That's what I'm drinking tonight because it's 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 a very comforting scotch to me. It's kind of my my preferred Isla when I just want to relax and feel nice at night. It's it's smoky, so it's a little acquired taste, and everybody likes the Islas, but. Man, that finish is just so nice and refreshing. It just lifts off the tongue, makes me feel good, puts me to bed uh, all nice and tired. So I've got that going tonight. Uh, I do want to start off just kind of with opening thoughts since we are talking offense first. Just three general thoughts about the offense class here. Uh, Number one, there is speed 
all over the place, especially at wide receiver, and just absurd death, uh, absurd death, death, not death, depth. <laughs> I hope there's not absurd. It's death, death for defenses, death for defenses yeah. for sure. Uh, you know, every body type and play style is available. You know, if you're missing a true X, if you're missing a slot receiver. You know, if you're looking for like a gadget guy, if you're looking for a hybrid running back receiver, I mean, everything is available at the market when it comes to the receiver position in this class. And I don't think I've ever seen anything this deep before. I don't know if I ever will again, but it it would certainly be hard to top it. Uh, and I just, I really enjoyed watching them kind of run around and do drills because one after another, you saw, oh, okay, he's going to be a top 50 pick. He's going to be a top 50 pick. He's going to be a top 50 pick. And you get, and you pretty know, pretty soon you got 27, top <laughs> you 50 got 27, picks. top 50, pick. like, you know, half the, half the first couple of days going to be receivers, but man, they're good. Um, and then not to be outdone this, this tackle class is just crazy. It's probably the best since 2008. Uh, people forget how good that 2008 tackle class was. Uh, maybe not um, a whole bunch of Hall of Famers, but you had Jake Long in there, who was pretty good before injuries uh, kind of ruined his career, but he was on a Hall of Fame track. Uh, you got Brandon Albert, you had Ryan Clady, you had Gosser Cherilis, Dwayne Brown, who's obviously still playing at a high level. I mean, th- there was a lot of tackles in the first round in that group, and at least five out of the seven that went in the first round uh, worked out. And I think we're going to see the same kind of depth and overall success of the tackle class this year. Cause there's just so many of them. Uh, and then third, maybe not as top heavy, uh, is the running back group, but in terms of values, there's a lot of values that people are going to get on day two, like true three down backs that I think are going to make immediate impacts who I'll talk about in a little bit. But, um, again, maybe there won't be a first round running back this year. I kind of lean towards there won't be, but there's going to be a ton of them in round two and three. And at least I think five or six of them are going to be starting pretty quick in the league. Yeah. That's, I think running back is kind of the shadow sleeper right behind wide receiver, wide receiver. If, if you're at all familiar, if you watched any of the combine, you got to see Daniel Jeremiah, the NFL.com draft analyst, great guy. And he's, he says right now he's got 27 wide receivers, graded in the top three rounds now to put that in perspective the highest number of receivers i think ever drafted in the modern era is 33 35 overall in all seven rounds so he's got 23 or 27 guys in the top three rounds in this class that's that's ridiculous depth there's so many good football players who are going to get picked much later down just because there's just this od of of wide receivers and like you said, so many types. But I think running back is right behind that in terms of it doesn't have as much publicity. Like you said, it's not necessarily as top heavy. There isn't that guy or two guys that you think, oh, those guys are absolutely first rounders. There's definitely running backs that could get picked in the first round. But again, because of the tackle depth, because of the need for quarterbacks, those guys are going to get pushed down and they're going to start going off the board in the second. And I'm with you, second, third, even fourth. There's going to be a bunch of very good multi-rollbacks who are capable of contributing in the running game, in the passing game, big play, special teams. And not too many people are talking about the running back class overall because it's being overshadowed by its big brother in this class, the wide receiver class. But they're there, the talent's there, and some of them really showed out at the combine. Who would you say, uh, in terms of bigger names that stood out, uh, We'll just, I think we'll, you know, you and I can just, just kind of give three. 
who's like the three big names that I think stood out to you? Yeah, there were so many. Uh, I wanted to stay away from wide receivers a little bit. I didn't manage to. Um, the first one that just really popped off the screen to me was Tristan Wirfs, Iowa. I had written a combine preview article for Windy City Gridiron. Uh, Wirfs was my guy to watch in the tackle class. Again, like you said, there's five or six really good tackles that could go in the first round. And I don't think that's hyperbolic. I think six tackles could go in the first round pretty easily. Um, there's just this pent up need, desire, demand, whatever you want to call it. We haven't seen a tackle class this good. There's always a short supply. Everybody needs one. So we could see six tackles go, but worse was the guy I wanted readers to keep an eye on because his feet are so good. He's a, he's a workout warrior at Iowa. Somebody posted a video of him hang cleaning 450 pounds. Yeah. Like, Oh my time. God, that was crazy. That's ridiculous. I mean, if you've ever been around a weight room at all or, or any competitive weightlifting, that's just a nearly superhuman feat of strength. And he did it four times like it looked like it didn't even hurt him. So we knew he was strong. We knew he had great feet. There's some questions about his, his pass sets, um, some questions about his hand placement, but it almost doesn't matter because his feet are so good. And then he goes out and just <laughs> lays waste like carpet bombs <laughs> in the combine. I mean, and just showed what an overall athlete he is. He jumped out of the gym. He ran incredibly fast. He had a good result on the bench. You know, he broke two records for combine jumps for tackles. He's he's not just good. He's so good. And then on top of that, you you know, put that video of him hang cleaning 450 in there. And he's strong. He can jump. He's agile. He's fast. He's just a really, really good athlete. And he's so thick thick in the lower half i mean his lower half looks like thanos man that's how he's built yeah yeah he's you know he's a shot putter he's a heavyweight wrestler he's whatever you know whatever athlete you want that's got junk in the trunk and can use it and he comes out and just wrecks the combine athletically and suddenly you know there's a lot of talk oh well maybe you should put him at guard yeah that's not happening anymore this guy's going as a tackle um he's going to be a very good one and he just i think I don't want to say separated himself because there's some other very good tackles who are probably going to get taken before him at the tackle spot, maybe rightfully so, but he really pushed his way up into the top of the conversation and and just couldn't be ignored after that performance. So he was, he was my number one. Who was yours? I mean, another tackle, Jedrick Wills, who's, Mm. you know, if, if it wasn't worse that everybody was talking about, it probably would have been Wills. Cause again, he's another just phenomenal athlete. Uh, at the tackle position, not as freaky as worse. I mean, worse is one in a one in a million, but in any normal year, Wills would be you know, considered the guy. Um, I, I will just say this about worse and, and guard. I don't, I don't hate him playing guard because I know he can, and he would be an all pro there. Uh, I, I, I really feel that in my bones. It's just somebody that athletic. If you're trying to match up with the, the super quick three techs of the world, you need a guard with tackle feet, Aaron Donald, Grady Jarrett, all those kind of guys. Um, so I, I can see the value of him playing guard in that respect, just because three techs are getting faster and faster these days. You, you throw in Chris Jones too, but at the end of the day, you, you need tackles to, uh, to protect your quarterback. You need guys that have the feet and the length and the power and everything like that. So he, he will end up playing tackle, but I don't hate the idea of him at guard just because of, of some of the, the freakishly gifted interior um, pass rushers we have in this league. If you're in a division that has a lot of them, like 
say the NFC West, you, you get the guys up in San Francisco, you got Donald, um, I think Seattle, uh, their interior rush is a little bit underrated. I, I don't, I don't hate the, the idea of him playing guard in that kind of situation. But yeah, I, I concede most likely he will play tackle. Athletically, oh, he's good be, enough. For he'd that. be tremendous at guard. I think he'd be a Kyle Long type guard, like a healthy Kyle Long type guard who was really good, by the way. Yeah, that that freakish <laughs> kind of athleticism where you just see him move people, right? Yeah. They just unstoppable forces and Worf's, you know, is even better. I mean, from athletic testing than long was coming out of college. So, you know, it's not that I'm with you. It's not that he couldn't play guard or wouldn't be fantastic playing guard. And again, it kind of depends on where he goes, right? If, if that guy went to say the saints, they would put him at guard. Yeah. Because they prioritize interior protection over everything. That's just always what they've done. Yep. Um, and I don't blame them for that. That's just, that's how their quarterback thrives. So again, the, the, the offense that picks him is going to use him how best you can use him. But the fact that he's so athletically gifted that you could put him at four of the five offensive line spots, and to be honest, he'd probably be, he'd probably play center too. Cause why not? Uh, the fact that he can play any spot in the offensive line at, at minimum a pro bowl level, in my opinion, it, that speaks to his value. So I think there is really no ceiling on his draft stock because of that, because he fits literally every team. Um, but going back to my guy, Wills, I think he's not maybe somebody that you want to put at guard. Um, because I think he's, he is a little bit more of a tap. Like he has power, um, as a run blocker, but I think he's, he's less a drive out a defensive tackle one-on-one kind of blocker and more, I'm going to cave in on a down block and then use my quickness to get to the second level and drive out a, a linebacker. Um, like if you're running gap scheme with him again, he can do it. Maybe he doesn't have some of the strength of some of like the really good guards around the league, you know, Yonda Martin, everything like that, that can really dig out a three technique by themselves. But if you're combo blocking with him, um, if he's widening the edge on inside zone or anything like he can do that just fine. He's a great run blocker, but it needs to be a certain kind of block for him to thrive. He's, he's not, uh, like a, a Becton from Louisville. Like, yeah, he's so big and strong. He could, like, like if theoretically, if he was just uh, doing like a, a a drive block one-on-one, he could move pretty much anybody. Wills isn't really that guy. But um, as a pass protector, his feet are phenomenal. I think his feet are even better than worse. He's not the same athlete, but uh, in terms of how he fires out of his stance and chokes off angles from edge rushers immediately, he's got tremendous feet his hands are better than worse um his hands are way better than worse (laughs) yeah his hands are so much heavier than worse too like his his punch is just oh it's it's devastating hammer fist which which is why it's kind of interesting how it's like okay you could see the power it doesn't translate all the time as a run blocker but you can see it like he's not not strong yeah, um, no, I just think there's certain systems he's, he's better in. up top. Yeah. yeah. And I agree with you that he's going to have to, he's not going to have to be, he, he would succeed in any system. But again, if he lands, we, we don't talk about fit for tackles probably as much as we should. We talk about fit for wide receivers. We certainly talk about fit for quarterbacks and, and even corners. Um, but we don't talk about it as much as we probably need to for tackles. And I absolutely understand what you're saying in terms of if he lands in the right place where he really jives with the scheme and they ask him to do the things he's best at, he's going to be easily pro bowl player um, and could pretty quickly become an all pro 
again, if he's if he's put in the right spot, he's put on the right line, he gets the right coach, he's got everything. He's got feet, he's got power, he's got quickness, he's very quick into his set, and his hands are devastating. Yeah, I mean, you you saw it at the combine. You <laughs> you put a punch right in the, uh, into Devlin's face. It just yeah. rocked him. So yeah, yeah, he's got he's got super heavy hands. I don't know what he benched, but uh, his upper body is extremely strong. I do think in terms of fit, you look at Cleveland at tenth overall. I don't know if he'll make it that far. I would bet against it, but let's just say he does for whatever well, I reason. I bet one of them will. I mean, one that's of the them thing, will. They they can't all go. I guess they could all theoretically go before that, but it, you know they're not going to. Most so likely gotta, won't. But yeah, you got to fit guys like Simmons in there. So uh, there's there's going to be somebody that falls. Might not be him, but somebody. But he, he's got the feet uh, to play in that outside zone system they're installing there. I think he'd be phenomenal. Um, but yeah, I, I I was super impressed with him. Who was your uh, Who was your second guy among the, the notable names that stood out to you? Got to go back to Chase Claypool. Um, folks that follow me know that I've been talking up Chase Claypool since Wayne's at the senior bowl floated the theory, um, before just about anybody that move tight end could be in his future because he was very good. Then went out on the field on the first day of the senior bowl and really looked every bit of polished wide receiver, great routes, good power, very sudden for his size, um, worked himself open. Uh, but I still thought that his value as a move TE was, was greater. Well, Went to the combine. He probably ran a little bit too well to be a move TE. Um, you know, I'd he still was, do it. Why not? <laughs> yeah, I I think in again in the right system where you really treat the move TE as a as a sort of larger inside receiver and and not so much anything else. And we've seen those systems. And we've seen players like that thrive. You know, he's got the physical skills. He's got greater physical skills than somebody like Evan Engram, but he's bigger. So, yeah. you know, what's the downside? There isn't really a downside. It, well, the downside for him is he'd get paid less because wide receivers make more than tight ends. But, um, you know, he was a tick off Megatron, right? That that comparison came up. He's he's like four pounds lighter, um, an inch shorter, uh, ran, what was it, a, a tenth? Not a tenth, a hundredth? It, off, it, off Megatron it, was really uh, close. Megatron was 435 and he was four. One right, so he's yeah, so he's just under a tenth off Megatron at the same size, and you know shows out as a very good receiver too. He's not just a, a workout warrior, you know, testing athlete. He's he's a very polished wide receiver. So probably going to get his chance to go be the big Mike Evans type, you know, X wide receiver. Um, and and I don't think that's unjustified, but he just he followed up his you know very good senior bowl with a dominant combine and really solidified himself even in this very deep wide receiver class as a name you really kind of can't ignore he's got size he's got speed he's got hands uh he's got good routes there's just you can't turn away from the guy and i still see him you know down the board on on wide receiver rankings and my only question is is why right you know is it lack of production i I don't know i will say this let's say he's not tight end but you you know, wanted to play receiver. It was kind of brought up during the combine. Some teams asked him about, you know, playing a big slot role. I can a hundred percent see that because he's bigger and thicker than Michael Thomas, but also faster than Michael Thomas. You put him in the same kind of route tree that Michael Thomas runs. You know, a lot of those deep crosses, shallow crosses, um, option routes, occasional fade from the slot. Like Michael Thomas, he he can run every route, but he doesn't. Just 
that's just how their offense is structured. They kind of have like five or six routes that they really have him stick with that are the bread and butter. And I mean, he got 144 catches on him, so I can't really argue with the results. But I think Claypool can <laughs> can play that role, and just because of how freaky he is, and again, he's he's not raw. Like he's he knows no. what he's doing out there. Yeah. You can have a lot of success doing that, and I think there's a lot of teams that. Um, if you want to replicate the success of the Saints offense, or at least kind of their, their core tenants, um, I'm looking at, at you, Joe Brady, who's now in Carolina, uh, and maybe you're looking for a little bit of size at receiver. Claypool is a day two guy that you stick as a big slot in an offense that, that has a lot of the same concepts that they run with Michael Thomas. I mean, that would be devastating. Yeah, pretty much wherever he goes. I mean, he can win outside, he can win inside, he can win jump balls, he's got good hands, he can climb the ladder overpowers guys does block some devastating blocks floating around out there on Twitter from his time at Notre Dame, just burying little defensive backs. He seems to relish it. There's just not a lot he can't do. And and with the physical profile he's put together combined with the polish, we saw him display down in mobile. Um, the, the arrows are just pointing way, way up for Chase Claypool. hundred um, percent. I would say my second guy is running back. Who's, he's gotten a little bit more publicity over the last month or so. It's Cam Akers. I think his name's kind of starting to float around there among the top four or five running backs in this class. Um, I, it I should. Might, it should. I, you, you, go, you watch him go through the drills. I don't really see a difference between him and DeAndre Swift. And a lot of people are going to think I'm crazy for saying that. If if DeAndre Swift costs you a, a first round pick and Cam Akers costs you a second round pick, why in the world would I not pick Cam Akers in the second round and, and use my first round pick on something else? Because I think you're going to get the same kind of guy. I mean, he runs. He's not. It's not quite the same build. Um, I think Akers a little bit stockier, but he's got phenomenal feet. I mean, they. You always say you got piston feet. I mean, those things just fire so quickly. Such good lateral yeah, acceleration. Yeah, was that the Deuce Staley drill, the one they named after oh Deuce? Oh, my God. The little teabag drill where they jump yeah. forward over the bag, sideways over the bag, backwards over the bag, redo it the other way. He just flew through that. And then they go up and they make him go, you know, quick decision left or right, simulating a cut through a hole. He was just lightning through that. And he's not a small guy. And no. I think it was Eric Edholm who posted on Twitter, can you imagine what Cam Akers would have done behind Georgia's line? Oh my God. I, I think and he I would, would have I think he would have outproduced Swift. I I'm honestly I, I don't that. doubt it. I mean it would have been very close, if not better. And that alone is enough to think of Cam Akers in the top tier running backs in this class. And it, I think the league knows I I think people are paying attention and realize that his supporting cast, his offensive line at Florida State was a mess. They realized that he was a talent that was stuck in an offense that didn't really, you know, really bring out or allow him to bring out all the gifts that he had to bear to every game. So they know, but there's still that hesitancy about production and just putting him down a tier and somebody's going to get a value. They're going to get a a back, a really, really good three down back uh, a little bit farther down than they would have because his college system wasn't ideal. And remember, he's a former quarterback. Uh, he was the number one ranked running back out of high school, but he was a Wildcat quarterback, and he can throw. Florida State had him throw a few times, and uh, other than the versatility that he brings as a, a runner, a receiver, a blocker, special teams, there's some double pass stuff you can run with him that would just kill people. Like, he's he's arguably the most versatile running back in this entire class, and I, 
I love everything about him. He's going to go a lot higher than people think. Um, I would say my third guy, just to kind of round out my trio, everybody loves him. Everybody talks about him. But C.D. Lamb, man, he it's, – it's still a kind of a debate among who the number one receiver is for a lot of people between Lamb and Judy and Ruggs kind of sneaks in there for a few people. You know, Brad Kelly I think is very partial to Ruggs as, as his top guy. But C.D. Lamb showing out as a route runner, his ball skills, he ran – I, he didn't run a blazing 40, but it was enough. It was enough for me. I mean, four, five, one, uh, the, the average 40 for the top 10 receivers is like four, five, three. So if you're in that ballpark, that's good enough. And I think he, I don't want to say he separated himself, but he showed that he belonged in that discussion for top receiver. It wasn't just all Judy or all rugs. And I think he, uh, he firmly put himself on the map for a top 10 selection, most likely to Arizona. Yeah, I think CD, we'll talk about this a little bit when we get to the defensive side of the ball in the next podcast, but there is something, uh, people say the combine, you know, doesn't have value and it, it just has different value than a lot of people think it does. But one of the sort of hidden values of the combine is alpha guys being alpha, right? Guys showing up who are at the top of the charts, you know, in the conversation for top three at their position, and instead of showing up and not doing any of the drills or waiting until the pro day or just saying, no, nah, I'm good, they show up and they show out. And they just sort of put their foot down, and that's what alphas do, right? They just put their foot down. They're like, nope, nobody's coming by. It's my spot. I deserve it. Just reminding everybody. And that's what CD did. That catch he made in the corner on the on the fade drill. Yeah, the uh, pirouette. You know, <laughs> yeah, bringing two feet in and then, you know, going directly into a tuck and snapping up like it was nothing. I mean, that just shows the sort of inane amount of body control that he has. He's got great size. He's obviously in tremendous shape. Like you said, the 4-5 is fine. Nobody's going to care about the 4-5 because he runs great routes, very good hands, understands the position, can run the full route tree. There's just nothing he can't do, and when he can do it that well with that much polish. I mean, the first guy that came up and congratulated him was Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy went up, you know, gave him a gave him dapped him yeah. up and was like, you know, hey man, that that was something. And when Jerry Judy's doing that too, you know that you're in that conversation very very solidly. So I completely agree with Ceedee Lamb. I'm going to go to another wide receiver, which is Justin Jefferson. And not a guy that I've been super high on, not a guy that I've been low on, but there's just so many receivers. We've talked about this, and one of the sort of mm, things that happens when there's that many receivers, uh, which we really haven't experienced before, is really good guys getting sort of lost in the wash. And we talked about this a little bit with guys like Michael Pittman from USC, who looked tremendous on the first day of the Senior Bowl, and really I think in any other year would be a a lock to be a first-round wide receiver. And, you know, Justin Jefferson, huge year with the national champs, Joe Burrow thrown to him, but he just didn't sort of, nothing really stood off the page for me with Justin Jefferson. I thought he was good, but he was one of those guys in the wide middle of the wide receiver class. And he comes into the combine, runs extremely well and shows, you know, I think pushed himself back up into that possible late round, late first round consideration with just an excellent overall combine, tremendous athletic showing really good in the field drills, just kind of, again, reminded everybody, hey, 
I'm here. I know there's a lot of other good guys, but don't forget about me. I'm, I'm, I'm better than just Joe Burrow. Right. And, uh, that stood off the page to me. Um, it, it definitely elevated Jefferson in my eyes a little bit. Yeah. I, I didn't expect four, four out of him. I mean, Mm -hmm. I didn't think he was, I didn't think he was slow. Uh, I just didn't expect four, four. And I think he's, he's been cast as kind of like a soul solely like a big slot again, you know, Michael Thomas, not, not a huge burner, great route runner, great hands, great body control. That was kind of like his comp for a lot of people was, Michael Thomas, he played the same role in that offense, which was the same offense the Saints run, so it's not a hard comparison to make. But, I mean, if you can burn at 4-4 and you have his route running ability, his ball skills, you you could probably put him outside too, and I think he'd be just fine. So uh, I, he's somebody I kind of got to go back and, and watch a little bit more just because, you know, LSU had so many receivers. Most of the time it's hard not to just watch Burrow and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire the whole time. So I got to do yeah. a little bit more work on Jefferson to, to figure out exactly where I'm grading him. Um, but him showing out drills wise was uh, certainly a head turner for me. Yeah. And another guy like that who is not a wide receiver, but we talked about the the running back class being the shadow of the wide receiver classes, Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin. Now it's kind of hard to put up as many yards and have as much production as Jonathan Taylor does and, and be any kind of overlooked or forgotten. And I don't want to say he's forgotten because that's overstating it, but I think pretty solidly, if you've been looking at, at running back rankings for the draft, he's been, he's been kind of fourth, right? Deandre Swift has been up there. Uh, acres is, is moving into that position. Um, Edward Solaire is up there just on the strength of his profile. And he's a great running back. I love Edward Solaire. But Jonathan Taylor's kind of been hanging out in that fourth, sometimes even fifth spot because a lot of people have questions about his ability to catch. Obviously, he's a great runner. And there were some questions about his speed. Taylor comes out and runs a 4-3-9. Yeah, he was moving. He puts a stamp on it and says, oh, by the way, yeah, almost 2,000 yards and... Four three nine, and then goes out in the catching drills and looked way more fluid than I expected. He looked really, really comfortable catching the ball. And again, this is just, hey, the Wisconsin offense doesn't throw to the back a lot. I think he had 12 receptions this year, uh, you know, playing in, in his regular season games. And, and that's not, um, you know, I think Edwards Hilaire had 55 for, for LSU. So just to illustrate the difference between the two offenses. So, you know, a modern passing offense in the NFL, running back is a part of that. They need to run routes just as much as they need to run the football from the backfield. And here comes Taylor and says, yep, I got great production. Nobody questioned my physical skills running the ball. I'm going to look comfortable catching it. And, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm going to do a little cherry on top of the Sunday and run a 4-3-9 fastest of all the running backs. Uh, Guys, don't forget about me. I think people forgot that, I mean, he was a track star. (laughs) Like, he's he's not unfamiliar with with how to – get out the blocks and running at 40. So it was really, really funny to listen to all the Wisconsin guys. They're like, you thought Jonathan Taylor was slow. <laughs> and I don't think anybody thought he was slow, but they're like, uh, you haven't been paying attention. Like Taylor's fast, but I, again, I, I don't know what the over underline on his 40 was. I guarantee it wasn't in the four threes. No, somebody, I think made, it was like somebody four, made funny. It was four, four, nine, which right. I and think he ran four three nine, so that's yeah. that's just crazy. You you made some money if you bet the under uh, on Taylor's forty time, which in in hindsight, again, track star, a um, lot of production looked like a looks like it would have been a very good bet. But uh, just another guy that sort of said, "Hey, don't forget about me." A lot of talent here. I understand that, but I'm I'm part of that talent. 
I think people, they, part of the reason why I think people think that Taylor is slower than he was is his running style. Like his gait, keep in mind, he's, he's said multiple times that his favorite running back ever is Aaron Foster. And he runs like his actual, like running motion looks hmm. like Aaron where it's very smooth. Um, yeah. it's a little stridey, but it, he, he's moving like, just like Aaron. He, he did, obviously didn't time like Taylor did, but he moved faster than he thought I did. Cause he, he was very smooth in everything he did. Yeah. And covered a lot of ground while he covered was covered a lot of ground while he was doing it. Like he could break off long runs where he didn't look like he was moving that fast, but he's out running DBs and Taylor's the same kind of way. Just, with even more juice where he doesn't look like he's moving at low four, four speed, but the angles are still getting burned either way. Uh, so I think it's, it's nice to see him finally get respect as the athlete that he is. I don't know if it'll push him into the first round. Cause again, there's oh, so I many, doubt it just on know, positional value, but yeah. Um, again, in another year, if there were maybe say two or three offensive tackles that were worthy of the first round and, and maybe, three quarterbacks instead of the four or maybe five, you know, he could, he could slip in uh, like running backs do at the end of the first round, but it's just not going to happen this year with the wide receiver class, the OT class, um, the quarterback premium that always occurs. I, I would be highly surprised if Jonathan Taylor was a first round pick, not because he's not a first round talent, but because the, how do you slot him in? There's only 30, only 32 slots in the first round. 32 slots for, 64 players that we all yeah. think are first yeah. round guys uh but yeah man this this offensive class is really fun especially at the skill position uh why don't we go with uh three for the road these are three players who turned our head a little bit maybe we're not super familiar with them yet but just watching with the combine kind of left an impression on you and, and somebody that you're gonna definitely hit either for the first time or maybe kind of circle back for a second time try to get a better look yeah so we talked a lot about the the top of the offensive tackle class, the five, six, seven ish guys that are really getting a lot of attention. Everybody's always looking for that mid tier tackle, right? The developmental tackle. Who can I get into the backup rotation now that maybe takes over for a starter two or three years down the road? We've looked at guys. Um, I've looked at Calvin Throckmorton from, from Oregon. He's going to go in the lower rounds. Uh, there's a couple other guys that tackle Matt Peart from UConn. Um, you know, but one of the names I hadn't heard was Ezra Cleveland from Boise State. And Man, Ezra he's, Cleveland he's got comes feet. out. Ezra Cleveland <laughs> comes out and tears the top off the athletic testing for tackles at the combine. Um, you know, really again pushing himself into a different conversation, not that top round conversation, but that, hey, you should be considering me in the in the sort of middle rounds. You want a developmental tackle. I've got tools for days. So I've not seen Ezra Cleveland's tape. I will now. You know, I'll absolutely go back to that. Um, another guy was a running back. We talked about the running back class, but a guy um, out of Louisiana Lafayette, uh, Raymond Calais, came out, ran a really good time, looked very smooth in the field drills, really opened my eyes. I was like, who's this guy? Because, again, there's a stack of running backs. There's, I think I have 20, 21 running backs on my watch list, and he wasn't on it. Well, he's on it now, so there's 22. And then back to Boise State, just so many wide receivers. There's bound to be one stuffed in there that you haven't seen or, or didn't pay enough attention to. For me, that was John Hightower, Boise State. Came out, ran a 4-4-3, jumped 38 vertical, 122 broad. He's 6'1", 189 pounds, not a slight guy. 
Um, looked really smooth in the drills. Hands looked good in the gauntlet drills. Um, you know, here's a guy that's probably going to go in the fifth round, maybe sixth round. It's almost zero name recognition. And again, there's 27, 28 wide receivers that might go before him. Uh, that's just a lot of pass catchers, and not every team needs that many. So here's a guy that's going to be forced into the lower rounds, no fault of his own, but certainly looks like he's got a lot of talent. So I'll be spending some time with Boise State tape. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll second Ezra Cleveland. He's not one of my three, uh, but his wave drill was just whoa. <laughs> you know? Yeah, he can his, move at his size. He can really move. So he's I, I second that one. I'm definitely going to be taking a look at him. Uh, and speaking of offensive linemen that I'm going to be taking a, a second look at, Matt Hennessy, who I watched a little bit after the Senior Bowl. Uh, who, he was solid at the Senior Bowl, don't get me wrong. Um, but the way he moved at the Combine made me think, like, okay, now we're we're thinking, like, okay, he could be a top-tier zone center with how he was uh, how he was moving. The, and especially how um, when they were doing the, the, the fold block drill mm-hmm. and how – where he's just snapping, he's out leading, and he's 10 yards down the field just looking to pick up work. And I'm like, okay, a center with that kind of movement skills, um, lateral agility and pass protection. I didn't think he was that strong, which, again, that's something i got to look at again. Uh, at the Senior Bowl, I felt like some of the defensive tackles beat him up with power, but just in terms of pure feet and pure athleticism and space, very, very impressive. Uh, same thing with Austin Jackson. He's a tackle I have not watched at all yet. Um, mm, I, you're in for a treat. But he he went through the drill. Same thing with Ezra Cleveland. I was like, okay, who is this dude with the feet? Because uh, it's just it's another one of those things where it's like there's just tackle after tackle after tackle, and they're all super athletic in this class. So he's definitely one I want to get to. Uh, I just got a hold of USC tape like this week. So um, yeah, two things to remember about Jackson. One, he's coming off an injury, so he's not quite fully healed, right? He's not back to that full power about a year after a knee injury. Yeah. He's, he's getting there. He's close. So he's going to basically kind of come into the league at, at full strength with full snap, almost a, a full year removed or just, just a little more than a full year removed from the injury. The other thing is he's 20. Yeah, he's young. Yeah, he's 20 and he's doing what he's doing. He hasn't even – he's not even done growing yet. No. So. Jackson is one of those guys that might slip through the cracks, be in that second tier of tackles and provide an excellent value. Yeah, he's 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 going to be fun. Just judging off pure athleticism in the drills alone, I think he's going to be fun to watch. Hopefully I can get a hold of that Iowa game uh, where he went against Epinesa. That, that was probably the best test that he faced all year, other than if you went against the Utah guys too. Yeah. Um, and then the last one I want to watch, just because the I have watched Alberto – but Alberto running in the combine was not the Alberto that ran on tape. And I want to figure out where the hell that speed came from. And if I just missed something, uh, not that I didn't like him. I thought he was really good in the red zone, but you're that big and you run in the four fours that screams seam stretcher and yak monster to me. And I got to figure out if I just missed something or if he's a, a workout warrior, I don't know. So yeah, I, I don't I, think you missed anything. One of the one of the guys I write with at Windy City Gridiron is actually in school in Missouri right now. Um, Jacob Infante, uh, great draft analyst. If you're not following him, by the way, and he saw every game from Missouri, every home game from Missouri this year, and he came on social media after Alberto ran that and said, "What?" <laughs> like <laughs> he's seen the guy up close every home game this year, and he's just like, "I 
I don't know where that came from. Like, I don't know what that is. I'm, I'm as surprised as you all are. Um, and that's saying something for a guy that covered the team, um, as a, as a home reporter. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm not quite sure where that came from. I didn't see it on tape. Um, I too have watched him. Uh, he definitely has some, some raw physical gifts. He's big. He's, he's fast. I'd say he's fast. I, I four, four, I would have told you you were nuts. I would have said like low four sixes and that would have been fine at his size. Um, but four, four was just a bolt out of the blue, man. That was craziness. Yeah. So we, we got a lot of work to do on these guys, especially second looks on these guys. Cause the combine, it's not like it changes the grade drastically, but it does make you kind of maybe reconsider some things that, and maybe make you kind of go back and, try to find the why behind uh, your initial notes and see if maybe you just misinterpreted or, or what. So there, there's a lot of guys that we'll have to circle back on, but yeah, that's just part of the process. And, and as we kind of, we still got a couple months and as we kind of get into it, maybe we'll be able to refine these grades a little bit, but um, yeah, it was fun. I, I really enjoyed uh, watching all these skill position players go through it. This very special tackle glass, go through it. Uh, my parting thoughts is just that, it's it's yet again every single year we always feel like oh okay we can't have um it it felt like a while ago there was always kind of down years in the draft I feel like we haven't had a down year in a while in this class for as good as some of the recent classes have been this one might be even better and that's that's kind of my my parting thoughts on the offense is it's somehow every single year it's just getting more and more loaded yeah, and and records are falling. Guys, you know, are continuing to push the athletic envelope. Um, they're getting better training earlier. They're more serious about diet in a lot of cases, and that level of athletic performance is just going up and up and up. And to see a guy like you know Makai Becton at three sixty four run a five eleven, like for people <laughs> that are just not NFL fans. I, I have somebody that's a, a CrossFit coach at work and, and she's, you know, has an athletic performance background, was an athletic trainer at UW, um, you know, has worked with football players, like isn't really into football, but is just into athletic performance and, and seeing people improve and get stronger. And I showed her that Makai Becton run. She was like, wow, that guy's got really good form. Like how big is he? And I was like, he's 364. And she was like, shut the front door <laughs> baloney that's not true like there's no way a guy over 350 runs with form like that i was like you know tape don't lie guys 364 weighed in the day before ran 511 and she was just she was gobsmacked she was like and this is somebody that spends you know a lot of time around athletes and that's just the way it is it's every year we're seeing feats of athleticism that are you know like worfs damn near superhuman it's just crazy and, you know, better and better. And it's a very deep class. There are definitely places where it's down or, or doesn't have the depth. But, boy, running back, wide receiver, offensive tackle, um, you know, quarterback up at the top. And who knows, maybe a couple of guys will sneak out and have long careers from that sort of fourth, fifth round range. Um, it's not unheard of. So it's it's a ton of fun to watch. We've got a lot of work to do. There's still a lot, a lot, a lot of ground to cover. But it was a it was a very busy four days. We learned a lot. Um, I'm starting to build up a really serious callus on my thumb from texting you. Like, <laughs> oh my god, blank did blank, you know. And you going what? <laughs> checking the you know checking the readout. Oh, I can't believe it. So it was a lot of fun. High volume of communication. Pretty tiring, but well worth it. And we're happy to bring it to you guys. And then one last question for you, because I know you were sneaking sips during my answers, just like I was sneaking sips during yours. What do you mean sneaking? <laughs> <laughs> How'd that Jameson treat you? 
Oh, Jameson Blackwell's fantastic. I I love you know base Jameson. It is it is you know my people's water. Uh, but the black barrel is, is finished in oak barrels and, and sits for a little bit Has a smoother taste. Doesn't really come out smoky. Um, has a little bit of, it's not sweeter, but it definitely has a little bit more sugar in the body. It's a little bit, it's, it's a deeper Brown than a, than a, the traditional light golden sort of Jameson. It's, it's just lovely stuff. It goes down really easy, maybe too easily. And, um, yeah, it's just like the love gone is for you. It's, it's something I can drink that, um, feels familiar and, and lovely. Speaking of how'd yours finish up? I know, I know you've had it before, but how'd you like it this time? I mean, it's, it's my favorite Isla. It always will be my favorite Isla. It's just, cause it's not, it's not like an art bag that just blows your face off or some of the, <laughs> some of the Lafroigs will do that too. You know, it's yep. like, you get the smoke, you get the peat, you get all that. Um, but it's just, I don't, I don't know how they get this finish, but after you get that little initial Isla aggressiveness, it just lifts and it becomes almost like this refreshing minty fruitiness. And it, uh, it's an unbelievable. Well, it's got to tell you it's magic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I can't, I don't know how they do it. And year after year, I don't, God bless the people at Lagavulin. You guys make a wonderful scotch that I will drink for the rest of my life. Uh, there you go. But yeah, thank you everybody for joining us. Uh, tune in. I don't know when we're releasing the second part of this, but we'll be doing a uh, defensive preview right after this. I'm going to continue drinking my log of one for that one. Uh, as good as this offensive class is, the defensive class is just as good. So uh, make sure you stay tuned for that. Uh, hope you enjoyed this show. We'll be back soon with the defensive recap. And until then, see you later.